Welcome to Clinical Neurology Podcast where you will learn over 12 episodes how to localize a lesion in neurology based on history taking and physical examination. The podcast is meant for medical students and to make them enjoy learning neurology. Medicine, pediatrics, psychiatry, critical care, neurology residents, general practitioners and nurse practitioners will find it beneficial. Study materials and clinical resources for the podcast are available in show description and at neurologyteachingclub.com website. I am your host Dr. Krishnadas NC and let's get started. The adult spinal cord extends from the cervicomedullary junction at the upper border of the atlas vertebra to conus medullaris at the lower edge of the first lumbar vertebra. The spinal cord has a cervical and lumbar enlargement corresponding to the upper and lower limb segmental innervation. 31 pairs of spinal nerves arise from the spinal cord including 8 cervical, 12 thoracic, 5 lumbar, 5 sacral and 1 coccygeal. A spinal segment is the section of the spinal cord where the rootlets of a pair of spinal nerves are attached. At birth the spinal cord lies at the L3 vertebral level by 2 months the spinal cord reaches the adult L1 L2 level the spinal cord length is about 45 cm in an adult male the average length of the vertebral column is about 70 cm there is a difference between the vertebral level and spinal segmental level the cervical vertebrae and spinal segments are roughly corresponding To get the segmental level in the upper thoracic we have to add 2 to the vertebral level in the lower thoracic we have to add 3 to the vertebral level to get the corresponding segmental level the T9 to T11 vertebral level corresponds to lumbar spinal segments L1 to L5 T12 to L1 vertebral level corresponds to sacral spinal segments The knowledge of this discrepancy between vertebral level and spinal level is essential for clinical localization. A patient with T8 vertebral collapse compressing the spinal cord will produce sensory level at T12 the corresponding spinal segmental level. L2 to SY roots lie in the spinal canal below the L1 vertebra before they exit at the corresponding vertebral level. These roots form the cauda equina. A lesion involving cauda equina will produce asymmetrical motor sensory lower motor neuron syndrome. Please use the images on our website neurologyteachingclub.com or our Instagram or Facebook page of the Neurology Teaching Club while hearing the podcast and learning the topic. The spinal cord contains central gray which has the cell bodies and the outer white matter which includes the long tracts. The inner gray matter is like an edge or butterfly. with two lateral columns joined by a transverse commissure each lateral column has a dorsal horn and ventral horn which gives rise to corresponding roots the bell magenti law states that the ventral roots are motor and dorsal roots are sensory the dorsal horn contains sensory neurons and ventral horn contains motor neurons the ventral horn contains alpha motor neurons that innervate extrafusal striated skeletal muscles the gamma motor neuron that innervate intrafusal muscle spindle fibers there is also beta motor neurons that innervate both extrafusal and intrafusal fibers as well as the interneurons the central canal of the spinal cord is in the center of the gray commissure and is lined by a single layer of endothelium 
There is a small projecting lateral horn between the ventral and dorsal horn in the thoracolumbar region. It contains the intermediolateral gray column that extends from T1 to L2 gives rise to preganglionic sympathetic fibers. At S2, S3, S4, it contributes to the sacral portion of parasympathetic outflow. The gray matter consists of 10 ruxed laminae, the discussion of which is beyond the scope of this session. The outer white matter has a ventral median fissure and dorsal median sulcus dividing the cord into two halves. The exit of motor rootlets forms a pair of ventrolateral sulcus and the entry of sensory rootlets forms a pair of dorsolateral sulcus. Each half of white matter is divided into three funiculi. Dorsal funiculus. It is a portion of white matter between the dorsomedian and dorsolateral sulci. Lateral funiculus. It is the white matter between dorsolateral and ventrolateral sulci. The ventral funiculus. The white matter between ventrolateral sulcus and ventromedian fissure. They contain ascending and descending tracts. There are many ascending and descending tracts, but only three are essential from a localization point of view. We will confine our discussion to these three tracts. Lateral corticospinal, posterior column and lateral spinothalamic tract. Posterior column. The posterior column carries fine touch, vibration and conscious joint position sense. Remember, the anterior spinothalamic tract carries crude touch and pressure while the spinocerebellar tract carries unconscious proprioceptive information to the cerebellum. The unipolar first order neurons lies in the dorsal root ganglia. It projects through the ipsilateral posterior column to reach the cervicomedullary junction. The fibers from the sacral area will be arranged most medially in the posterior column. The lumbar will be just lateral followed by thoracic. The cervical fibers are lateral most as they are the last to enter while going up. This arrangement of fibers in various tracts from medial to lateral has got clinical localization significance. The arrangement is logically based and there is no need to learn it by heart. The second order neurons lies in the cuneatus and gracilis nucleus at the cervicomedullary junction and projects to the opposite thalamus. The second order neuron immediately crosses over to the opposite side at the cervicomedullary junction as the sensory decussation. It ascends in the brainstem as the medial lemniscus to reach the thalamus. The third order neuron lies in the ventroposterior nucleus of thalamus and projects to the sensory cortex. Lesion of the posterior column will result in loss of vibration and joint position sense on the same side below the lesion. The other symptoms of posterior column involvement include Lermitis sign it is an electric shock-like sensation down the trunk or into the arms on sudden flexion of the neck. Paresthesia below the level on the same side. Glow and stocking-like paresthesia. A girdle or belt-like sensation. Sensory ataxia with positive Romberg test. And wash basin sign, which is an increase in swaying while closing eyes as while washing face. Lateral spinothalamic tract. The lateral spinothalamic tract carries pain and temperature sensation of the opposite side. The first order neuron in dorsal root ganglia pseudounipolar cells enters through the dorsal horn, ascends 1 to 2 segments and synapses with second order neuron in the substantia gelatinous or nucleus proprius. The second order neuron crosses to the opposite side through the anterior commissure. 
It forms the lateral spinothalamic tract which ascends through the spinal cord and brainstem to reach the opposite thalamus. The fibers from the sacral area are arranged most laterally in the lateral spinothalamic tract followed by lumbar, thoracic and cervical. The cervical fibers which are the last to arrive while going up are the medial most. So an intramedullary lesion like syringomyelia will affect laterally placed sacral fibers last. The third order neurons in the thalamus medial dorsal, ventroposterior lateral and ventroposteromedial nucleus projects to the cortex. Lesion of the lateral spinothalamic tract will result in loss of pain and temperature in the opposite half of the body below the lesion level. It also produces tract pain or funicular pain which is deep-seated ill-localizing pain. It is usually severe and difficult to characterize distant from the affected level. Lateral corticospinal tract The lateral corticospinal tract carries the upper motor neuron fibers from the opposite motor cortex. It is formed by crossed-over fibers from pyramidal decussation. The first fibers to get out is the cervical. They are medial so that it is convenient for them to get out. The cervical is followed by thoracic and lumbar. Sacral fibers which are the last to get out is arranged most laterally in the corticospinal tract. It's again based on convenience and is easy to remember. An extramedullary compressive lesion like cervical spondylosis will affect leg fibers more than the arm as lateral leg fibers compressed before medial arm fibers. Lesions produce upper motor neuron findings below the lesion on the same side and lower motor neuron findings at the same level. The corticospinal tract inhibits anti-gravity muscles and facilitates the antagonist. Lesions of the corticospinal tract produce weakness of extensors more than flexors in the upper limb and flexors more than extensors in the lower limb. Rubrospinal and lateral reticulospinal tracts inhibit anti-gravity muscles like corticospinal tract. The vestibulospinal and medial reticulospinal facilitates anti-gravity muscles. The corticospinal tract lesion produces a distal more than proximal weakness as well. Spinal cord syndromes. Now we will see the various spinal cord clinical syndromes. Knowing these is essential to localize a lesion in the spinal cord based on history and clinical findings. Complete transection of the cord. The spinal cord is circumferentially damaged at a level. The classic example is transverse myelitis. Both lateral spinothalamic tract and posterior column are damaged bilaterally. All sensations lost below the lesion level on both sides. The patient will have lower motor neuron findings like wasting and absent reflexes at the lesion level. The patient will have upper motor neuron weakness with hypertonia, brisk reflexes and upgoing plantar below the lesion level on both sides. There may be an acute spinal shock state where lower motor neuron findings occur transiently. Polysynaptic reflexes like bulbocavernosis are the first to restore after spinal shock. Bladder involved early along with constipation and erectile dysfunction. Hemichord transection or Brown-Sequard syndrome. One half of the spinal cord is damaged usually with an extramedullary compressive lesion. The pain and temperature will be lost below the lesion on opposite side due to lateral spinothalamic tract involvement. The posterior column involvement results in loss of vibration and joint position sense on the same side below the lesion. Root pain is common. There will be lower motor neuron weakness on the same side at the level of the lesion. There will be upper motor neuron weakness below the lesion on the same side. Central cord syndrome. The spinal cord is damaged by a lesion starting from the center of the cord expanding outwards. Syringomyelia and intramedullary tumors like ependymoma are typical examples. 
the bladder fibers are located in the center of the cord and are involved early. The exemption to this is syringomyelia where bladder fibers are not involved early. After the bladder, the fibers involved are crossing over pain and temperature at that level in front of the central canal. For example, if there is an intramedullary tumor arising at the C5 level, the crossing over pain and temperature fibers of both sides at that level alone will be affected. The spinothalamic tract will not be involved. This will result in loss of pain and temperature at the C5 level as the tumor is confined to C5. The crossing over pain and temperature fibers at C3 and C6 are intact. This results in suspended pain and temperature loss at the C5 level on both sides with normal pain sensation above and below. The suspended sensory loss is a classical feature of an intramedullary lesion. The touch, vibration and joint position sense will be normal at C5 as the posterior column fibers do not cross over and the central lesion has not yet involved the posterior column. There is dissociated sensory loss with pain involved but not touch and vibration. The patient can present with painless burns in the C5 dermatome or a charcoal joint as the patient is not aware of pain. As the tumor increases in size, the corticospinal tract will be affected. In the corticospinal tract, the cervical fibers are medial, so they are involved first. The damage to anterior horn cells in the ventral horn can present as weakness and wasting of the upper limbs. As the lesion increases in size, the dorsal column and spinothalamic tract get involved. The sacral fibers are most laterally placed in the lateral spinothalamic tract and will be the last to get involved. The sacral sparing is another characteristic feature of an intramedullary lesion. Extramedullary compression. In extramedullary compressive lesions, the corticospinal tract which lies in the watershed zone is involved early. In corticospinal tract, the sacral and lumbar fibers are lying outside and are involved early compared to cervical. So the patient will have increased lower limb tone and upgoing plantar initially. The bladder fibers are involved late. Another characteristic feature of an extramedullary lesion is root pain. It is a shooting pain in the distribution of a root on coughing or straining. The extramedullary lesion can be intradural or extradural. In extradural, the lesion is outside dura as in cervical spondylosis and vertebral metastasis. In intradural, the lesion is inside the dura as in meningioma or neurofibroma. History of neck pain and back pain, vertebral tenderness and vertebral deformities like gibbous or step are clinical clues to differentiate extradural from intradural lesions. Anterior spinal artery syndrome. A single anterior spinal artery supplies the anterior two-third of the spinal cord and a pair of posterior spinal arteries supplies the posterior one-third. The single anterior spinal artery arises from the anastomosis of two branches from the vertebral artery. It runs through the entire length of the spinal cord along the anterior median fissure. The radicomedullary arteries nourish it at a few segmental levels. The most important of which is the anterior radicular artery of adamkiewicz that joins anterior spinal artery at T9 to T12 level. A pair of posterior spinal arteries supplies the posterior one-third of spinal cord. They arise from the vertebral artery or posterior inferior cerebellar artery. It runs through the entire length of the spinal cord. At the conus medullaris, the anterior and posterior spinal arteries are joined by anastomosing ansa of conus. Anterior spinal artery occlusion produces complete transection of cord but with sparing of the posterior column. The patient will have upper motor neuron findings below the lesion bilaterally. At the level of lesion, there will be lower motor neuron findings. An initial spinal shock period with lower motor neuron features below the lesion may be present. All sensations other than the posterior column are impaired below the level of the lesion. 
the bladder is involved early the initial mri spine can be normal it is crucial to check joint position sense and peripheral pulses in acute paraplegia joint position sense is preserved in anterior spinal artery occlusion as the posterior column is intact the absent peripheral artery pulsation may be a clue to aortic dissection producing artery of adamkiewicz occlusion producing asa syndrome at the lower thoracic level the posterior spinal artery occlusion is rare only the ipsilateral posterior column is affected other syndromes posterolateral column syndrome the posterior column and lateral corticospinal tracts are involved it is classically seen in subacute combined degeneration due to vitamin b12 deficiency hiv myelopathy copper deficiency and zinc toxicity are other causes for the posterolateral syndrome posterior column syndrome in posterior column syndrome the dysfunction is limited to the posterior column syphilitic myelopathy is the primary cause it can also occur as a clinically benign idiopathic condition anterior horn syndrome there is damage to anterior horn cells alone seen in conditions like spinal muscular atrophy poliomyelitis and hirayama disease it produces lower motor neuron findings at that level anterior horn corticospinal tract syndromes a combination of corticospinal tract damage and anterior horn cell dropout simultaneously produces upper and lower motor neuron findings it occurs in amyotrophic lateral sclerosis we have finished the basic anatomy of the spinal cord and various spinal cord syndromes in the next session we will use this knowledge to localize the lesion in spinal cord cases we will learn how to make a vertical and horizontal localization in the spinal cord from history and physical examination findings thanks for listening to clinical neurology podcast kindly subscribe and review if you found it useful you can follow neurology teaching club instagram account for exclusive figures of this podcast and visit our website neurologyteachingclub.com for more resources the podcast and online content are meant for medical education only and should not be used to guide clinical decision making and treatment you can find more of this podcast on apple podcast spotify google podcast or wherever you get your ear candy It's Katie signing off and until we meet next time spread knowledge